for the New Jack City. Bum, bum, bum. You are now about to witness the strength of street knowledge. Yo, this is Queen Latifah. We're gonna talk to you about a place you might live. In case you don't understand, it's called New Jack City. In case you still don't understand, I brought along my virtual troops to take the ballistics. Up. Now, you don't have my product, and you don't have my money. You gotta give me another chance. They know. Please. Look, the brothers don't wait to get paid. Money talks. Bullshit runs the marathon. So, see ya. And I wouldn't want to be True Hollywood Story Part 3. Romero... Romello Scuggs was placed in the New York City foster care system as a teenager after his mom overdosed on heroin and his father ended up in a wheelchair after being shot by the mob. While in foster care, he became best friends with another wayward youth, G-Money Gerald Wells. Scuggs changed his name to Nino Brown as he and G-Money became known as the Cash Money Brothers, or CMB for short. The CMB took over the Harlem apartment development, the Carter Houses, and ran their entire crack empire out of there between 1989 to 1991. During this time, the CMB raked in over $10 million a week in drug money. Unfortunately, the CMB was infiltrated by Detective Odafine Tutuola in his first major case before joining Law & Order SVU. 
Tutu Ola's mother had been murdered by Skuggs when he was robbing her purse. When Skuggs found, found out that Tutu Ola was an undercover cop, he murdered G-Money as it was Wells that brought in Odafine to join the CMB. Skuggs left his first wife for Wells' whore of a girlfriend, which led to Wells becoming addicted to crack. Skug, Skuggs felt, well, Skuggs or Nino Brown, whatever his name was at the time, I'll call him Nino Brown. Nino felt Wells' crack addiction played a part in not using sound judgment in bringing Odafine into the CMB. Odafine finally brings down Nino Brown in the CMB, murdering Skuggs' girlfriend during Skuggs' arrest. Skuggs makes a deal with the CIA and fakes his death during the trial. To the outside world, it looked as though an elderly Harlem resident had shot Skuggs to death. What actually happened was that the former Nino Brown made a deal with the CIA to continue selling drugs in Harlem, this time under his real name, Romello Skuggs. I'm not guilty. You're the one who's guilty. The lawmakers, the politicians, the Colombian drug lords, all you who lobby against making drugs legal, just like you did with alcohol during the prohibition. You're the one who's guilty. I mean, come on, let's kick the ballistics here. Ain't no Uzis made in Harlem. I mean, not one of us in here owns a poppy field. This thing is bigger than Nino Brown. This is big business. This is the American way. I'm sure that the court was enlightened by your geopolitical tirade, Mr. Brown. Unfortunately, society at large is not on trial here. You are Mr. Brown. Were you or were you not head of the Narcotics Consortium, the murderously bloody CMB? Yes. I could not hear you. Would you please speak up, Mr. Brown? Yes, I was a member. But I was forced into this way of life. Hey, look, I've been dealing drugs ever since I was 12 years old. See, I didn't have the chances that you have, Miss Hawkins. I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth, Miss Hawkins. I mean, I wanted to get out, but they threatened to kill my mother. Who are you talking about, Mr. Brown? What they? They. Look at it. Kareem Akbar. That's right, the educated brother from the bank. He's the real head of the CMB. The brains behind the whole thing. I told you, this thing is bigger than Nino Brown, and I got a list of order. If I'm going down, order in I'll the take court. a whole lot of people with order me. Order in the court. Order in the court. Excuse my lawyer, please. The court is not pleased with this application. You do understand that by pleading guilty to a lesser charge, the court, under the law, can impose a sentence of three years to life with parole eligibility after 12 months. Do you understand? Is that clear? Absolutely. 
How now could you let something like this happen? We wanted some of the crack off the streets. I wanted Nino too, you know that. He gave up his connections and I wanted to make the deal. This court is now adjourned. What? All he gets is a year? No, this shit ain't happening. I should have killed you myself, bitch. See, that's the difference between you and me. Don't get mad, Tito. It's the law. Sucks, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this is over with. You can come work for me. Mr. Brown, did you turn state's evidence? Did you sell out for CMB? Mr. Brown, are you pleased with the outcome? Absolutely. I think the American justice system is the greatest in the world. Proud to be an American. Hi, Mom. Hi, Donata! Your soul is required in here! Romello reunited with his brother Ray Nathan, and the two of them ran the Sugar Hill section of Harlem when it came to heroin distribution under the auspices of Gus Molino, the man who had their father shot and crippled. While running their criminal empire, Romello falls hard for the beautiful aspiring actress Melissa. Romello decides to leave the drug game behind and move to North Carolina with Melissa. Ray Nathan kills Gus and the man who was trying to take over Sugar Hill, Lolly, thinking that would keep his brother in town. Romello refuses to stay in New York. Ray Nathan attempts to gun down Melissa and misses. The Skuggs brothers fight over Ray Nathan's gun and Romello accidentally gets shot. Ray Nathan, thinking that he had murdered his brother, immediately shoots and kills himself. Skuggs survived the gunshot but is paralyzed from the waist down. Romello and Melissa move to North Carolina, and Melissa gives birth, gives birth to Romello Jr. Miraculously, Romello regains use of his legs and is able to walk again. Unable to find work in North Carolina and having spent all of his money on buying a house and medical care, and medical care for his paralysis, Romello and Melissa separate. Romello heads back to New York in 2001. Gus, I thought I'd get a cup of coffee and a cannoli.
Once back in New York, Romello changed his name again, now calling himself Casanova Phillips and starting a new drug empire in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn. Once again, 
Scuggs was a drug kingpin. And once again, he would be infiltrated by an undercover detective, Clarence Butler, who went, who went under the alias Tango. Butler had gained real brotherly love for Casanova, a.k.a. Scuggs, and was trying to convince him to leave before getting busted by the New York Police Department. Unfortunately, before he could warn him and get him out of Brooklyn, Casanova, a.k.a. Nino Brown, a.k.a. Romello Scuggs, was shot for the third and final time by former Baltimore street legend Omar Little. This time, Scuggs was finally dead. Romello Scuggs was 47 years old when his luck finally ran out. Yeah, we out here. For you, man. Calling you. That phone call shit don't work. We gotta get some paper together. You gotta get the fuck up out of Dodge right now, B. Why? Because there's a problem with the deal. No, no, no. Ain't no problem, man. Ain't no problem I can't fix. Cass. Look, look, look. We getting this money, man. No, listen to me. You cannot take this fucking deal. Chaz, listen to me. You cannot take this deal. Why, Tango? Can we just take a ride, please? Cass, please. Let's just... Let's just take a ride, man. Yeah, man, let's take a ride. Come on, man. Hungry. Story Part 4 DEA agent Russell Stevens has been fighting the trauma of seeing his friend and idol shot down in the streets like a dog by the Los Angeles Police Department throughout his entire life. Cornbread was a high school basketball star who had just received a full scholarship to play basketball. Stevens always felt it was his fault that Cornbread was murdered because he had told his friend Earl that Cornbread ran so fast that he could make it home within 25 seconds. The police were looking for an assault suspect when they saw Cornbread running. 
When Cornbread kept running after they told him to stop, they shot him in the back, instantly killing him. Stevens, who was only 15 at the time, testified in court about exactly what he saw to no avail as the officers were found innocent of murder. Heartbroken by everything surrounding Cornbread's murder, Stevens enlisted into the Army and was sent to Vietnam. Now, did you know this uh, boy, Nathaniel Hamilton? Yes, sir. I knew Cornbread all my life, ever since I was a real little guy. And on the date in question, did you see this occurrence? Yes, sir. Where were you? In front of the store. Which store? Mr. Fred's store. All right, Wilford. <clears throat> now, you go ahead in your own words and you tell us what you know. Why don't you start at the beginning and tell us everything you know? Well, it all started when me and Earl was watching Cornbread and the other big guys play basketball. Then it started to rain. And then we all ran down to Mr. Fred's store. Mr. Fred, he was mad at having all those kids in his store. So he began to yell in. Pretty soon it was just Cornbread, me, and Earl. And then Cornbread brought us each a pop. And, you know, he was always good to us. And he bought one for himself. And then one eye came in. Beg your pardon, did you say one eye? Yes, sir. Everybody out there knows one eye. I see. <laughs> Go on, son. Then Cornbread said that he had to get moving. So he bought another pop for himself to drink at home. And then we said that he ought to wait until it stopped raining. But he said no. That he had to get on home. And then, me and Earl, we got to arguing. We's always arguing as to how fast Cornbread could run home. And I said, maybe 10 seconds. And Cornbread laughed and said, no, about 45 seconds. And then we made sort of a bet. Then me and Earl and Mr. Fred and one eye went out under the awning with Cornbread. Cornbread took off with his basketball under one arm and his orange pop in the other hand. Boy, you should have seen how he ran. Cornbread ran. Didn't even look like he was moving. He could sure run. And boy, was he moving. And then, me and Earl, he gets to counting. My cornbreads are running, you know, and I'm one, and I'm two. And cornbreads pumping away, and it's raining, and cornbreads racing down the block. And then those two cops, they run into the street. And it looks like they yelled something, but I, 
I couldn't tell what it was, because it was that garbage truck grinding away. Anyhow, those two guys, they, they had out their guns, and they shoot. And they shoot cornbread. Then he was dead. They killed Cornbread, and he wasn't doing nothing. All he was doing was he was just going home. Stevens had doctored his birth certificate to make it look like he was 18 instead of 14 in order to serve in Vietnam. While in Vietnam, Stevens began using heroin and was considered AWOL as he was shooting down Viet Congs without the guidance of a commanding officer. Stevens was sent to a West Germany military prison, and even though he was a prisoner, his leadership of the other inmates were, re were rewarded by a promotion to corporal. What's up, Chief? Junk boat, Captain. We're gonna take a routine check. Well, let's forget routine now and let him go. These boats are running supplies in this Delta, Captain. I'm gonna take a look. Chief, my mission's got priority here. Hell, you wouldn't even be in this part of the river if it wasn't for me. Until we reach your destination, Captain, you just on for the ride. Stand by, lad. Ah, throw the rope. Bye, asshole. All right, come on. Let's bring it over. What's wrong with you? Go on and search it. Just a goat. Some fish. Chef. Bunch of fucking beds. There's nothing Get on it. Get on that boat! There's nothing on it, man. Get on it! All right! Move it, asshole! Move it! Mangoes! What's in the rice bag? Fucking rice! Well, look in there, Chef. Look at it. Fucking fish. More coconuts. Rice. Here's rice. What's in that vegetable basket? Don't cook. Get out of here. Come on. You know, Sheriff, check that vegetable basket. All right. Shut up, slow. There ain't nothing in here. What's in the boxes? Look in the tin can. Nothing. That rusty can. This fucking rice is at all. There ain't nothing on it. Yellow can. Check the yellow can. She was sitting on it. What's in it?
I'm good. You okay, lad? What? Fuck! Oh. Shit! Look what you was hiding, huh? You all right? See what she's running for! <laughs> the fucking puppy! The fucking puppy! Give me that dog! Give me that no, dog! No, you're not gonna fucking get it! Give it to me. No, give me the fucking dog, asshole! Let's go! Sam. Fucking mango team! You want that? Chef, she's moving behind you. She's alive. Check her out. Chef! She's moving behind you. Check her out! All right. Come on, clean. Give him a hand. Fuck it. Let's take it easy. Take it easy. Slow down and take it easy. Calm down. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Chef. Bring her up to you. She's breathing, Chef. She's hurt. She's bleeding. Bring her on board. We're taking her to an Arvin. Look at it. What are you talking about? We're taking her to some friendlies, Captain. She's wounded. She's not dead. The book says, Captain. Ah! <laughs> Fuck you. What? Fuck him. I told you not to stop. Now let's go. While in military prison, Stevens befriends and mentors Franklin Bean, a troubled white teenager who is being mentally abused by the Master Sergeant McKinney. McKinney murders one of Bean's and Stevens' fellow prisoners, the gentle and soulful Sweetbread. Sweet, Sweetbread. And Bean, like Stevens did when Cornbread was murdered, testifies as a witness to the murder. Despite Bean's testimony, during the Master Sergeant's court-martial, McKinney is found innocent of murdering Sweetbread. Despite being cleared of murder, the Army has McKinney committed to a mental institution. Bean's sentence is commuted, and before he leaves for Vietnam, Stevens and the rest of the prisoners serenade Bean with a rendition of Sam Cooke's chain gang. Upon being discharged from the military, Stevens' conviction is expunged, and when he returns to Los, Los Angeles, he seeks a career in law enforcement. Ow. Prisoners, close ranks, march! Now, 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 now. March! Time, march! Private Bean, Private Crane, fall to the rear, do it now, quickly! Quick time, march! Lay up. Layup, 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 layup. What's this load? Don't you know that's the sound of the men working on the chain? One more. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Gang, keep it strong. 
That's the sound of the men working on the chain. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Can you hear me saying? That's the sound of the men working on the chain. That's the sound of the men. Eventually, Stevens becomes a DEA agent after serving as an LAPD police officer. He is supervised by DEA Special Agent Gerald Carver, who gives Stevens the alias John Hall, and the fake Hall begins selling, selling crack in South Central L.A. He then meets one of the underbosses of the Gallegos crime family, Felix Barbosa and Barbosa's lawyer, David Jason. Stevens and Jason begin taking over as the main crack distributors in L.A. after Stevens kills a rival drug dealer. Soon after, Stevens falls in love with the beautiful art dealer Betty, and they both start indulging in the use of cocaine. Barbosa, jealous of the success Jason and the fake Hall are having, assaults Jason with a pull stick and rats them out, and rats them out to LAPD Detective Hernandez. When Stevens tells Jason it was Barbosa who set them up, Jason brutally murders Barbosa. Gallegos then attempts to kill Stevens and Jason. Before his plan could occur, Stevens and Jason steal his van of over $100 million. They contact the head of the Gallegos family, Anton Guzman, and set up a meet with Guzman. Special Agent Carver tells Stevens that the case is over because the United States government has decided to side with Guzman in a civil war that is going on in, in Guzman's country. Feeling disillusioned, Stevens decides that he is no longer one of the good guys. During the meet with Guzman, LAPD detective staff shows up and tries to arrest everyone. Guzman drives away and Jason shoots and murders Taft. Stevens at that point realizes that he allowed greed to overtake his morals. Taft dying in his arms brought back painful memories of cornbread and sweetbread being murdered. Stevens attempts to arrest Jason for the murder of a police officer and then kills Jason when Jason pulls a gun on him. During a Senate hearing on the entire debacle, Stevens is blackmailed by Carver. Carver tells him that Betty will be arrested for laundering drug money through her art gallery if he tells the Senate the truth about the United States deal with Guzman. Stevens doesn't say anything in his testimony. Instead, he plays a recording of the meet with Guzman, setting the floor of the house in an uproar. Stevens and Betty move to Africa with $11 million of the $100 million he took off of Guzman's van. Russell and Betty have lived in Africa for almost 30 years, both very happy and wealthy. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed my latest True Hollywood stories.
here on the Hitman Chronicles. This is your host, the OG Rob Silver, saying, until next week, be blessed and be a blessing. No growing, no refining, no peasants. Best of all, no international borders, no customs agents. There in that case in front of you are two detailed prospecti on marketing with anticipated cash flow and so forth. You racist Americans. You just want to cut us poor Hispanics completely out of the market. No, Mr. Guzman, I think you know that there's no such thing as an American anymore. No Hispanics, no Japanese, no blacks, no whites, no nothing. It's just rich people and poor people. The three of us are all rich, so we're on the same side. You cannot, repeat, cannot delay him or arrest him in any way. Do you copy? Yeah. Will not arrest or delay. But I think there's drug money out there. And I can't arrest and delay that. Now you get me back up, because I'm not letting it get away. You got it. I'm not letting it get away. Now look, we're prepared to give you back 80% of the money that we took from Anton. The rest you invest in the new drug with proceeds paid out according to figures on page six. Do you have a sample of this product? It's in the case. God's name are you doing? I'm a cop, David. Okay. You're all right. Okay. Okay. You're not that bad. I got you. You're not that bad. You're not that bad, okay? Okay. Okay. Here we go, Jesus. Christian bullshit. The same people that taught us virtue are the very ones who have enslaved us, baby. We've had fun. 
And I know your dick gets hard for money, power, and women. And it doesn't matter that you're a cop, so let's get in the van. Is this what's between us and destiny? Is this it? Is this what's standing between us and greatness? Huh? Motherfucking much, you ain't hit the pipe in front of me yet. So, what you saying? I thank you, 5 0. 5 0. Man, I ain't no motherfucking cop. Well, hit this motherfucker then. Cause you can say that shit 
guess what they told me We give you 20 G's if you snitch on your homie We'll put you in a home and make your life plush Oh yeah, but you gotta sell dope for us Hmm, let me think about it Turn my back and grab my gat And guess what I told him for a shot If you don't quit, yeah If you don't stop, yeah I'm letting my gat pop Cause it's 187 on an undercover car Yeah, if you don't stop Cause it's 187 on an undercover car Yeah, if you don't stop Cause it's 187 on an undercover car Yeah, if you don't stop Cause it's 187 on an undercover car Yeah, if you don't stop Cause it's 187 on an undercover car Yeah, if you don't stop Cause it's 187 on an undercover car Yeah, if you don't stop